Look with me, please, in uh, Matthew, Matthew 13. The last time I was with you, we were talking about love's sacrifice. And I want us to continue, as the Lord would enable us. I tell you, before you look at Matthew, go to 1 Peter. Uh, This is the text we've read repeatedly, 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2.5 says, you also as lively stones, uh, another translation would, would say living stones, are built up a spiritual house. God's building a building. You are one of the living stones in this great structure. Hallelujah. All of us are. Built up a spiritual house. Also, not only are we God's house, we're also his priests. A holy priesthood and priests offer sacrifices. To offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Verse 9 says, you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Folks have done all kind of weird things with that peculiar word. But it means rare, precious. He's talking about like a gem, like a a jewel, like an emerald or a diamond. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a rare, beautiful, precious people. To him, we're the apple of his eye. (laughs) We're the sparkle in his universe. I believe we are. I believe there's numerous scriptures that say that, indicate that. Why do we exist? Why are we this? That we should show forth the praises of him. We offer up sacrifices. We serve him. We show his praises. The one who's called us out of darkness. Into his marvelous light. How many would say I'll never forget. Where he brought me from. I believe we will never forget. I mean a million years from now. A gazillion years from now. (laughs) We will never forget. That we were lost. And he found us. He redeemed us. He saved us. Glory to God. And we're his rare redeemed ones. Chosen. Called out ones. The church. Forever and ever. Ever. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord. Not animals. Something else. Not angels. Something else. (laughs) Sons of God made in the very likeness and image of the Almighty. And the Bible says when we see Him, we'll be like Him. When the wraps are taken off and all the junk of this curse-filled earth is pulled away and and the scales fall off of our eyes and we see him. That's going to be one of the shocks of our life. We're going to go. Oh. Then we're going to go. Huh? What? And he's going to say. I told you. I told you. I made you like me. <laughs> it doesn't appear now. But it will be seen and known. But you can believe it now. I said you can believe it now. Somebody said out loud. I believe it. As he is. So am I. In this world. Glory to God. Go to Matthew 13 please. You're believing with me for answers tonight. They're here. I can sense them. We just have to get to them. They're here. Adjustments need to be made. Good ones. Good ones. You know, uh, we 
been flying that little airplane. Over here, over there. Thank God for it. But, you know, we're always making adjustments on our heading. You take off from here, you're going to fly to California. Our equipment will give us a heading, but a lot of times ATC will vector you over here, vector you over there, and then you got to get back on course. And you launch from here, and you're just three degrees off course, and you're going to L.A., you'll probably wind up somewhere near San Francisco. And if you look at the autopilot, when it's engaged, it's continuously making tiny little adjustments. Tiny, tiny little adjustments. So minute, most of the time you don't even feel them very much. But it keeps tweaking because the wind's blowing against you. Sometimes the wind's blowing from your right side against the airplane 100 miles an hour. And so you keep having to crank that nose into the wind. You're actually flying like this. Because the wind's blowing 100 miles that way. And if you just flew straight, it'd blow you off course. So you have to crank your nose into it. And so you're really flying. like You're going straight, but the airplane's cranked at an angle. Course corrections are very important. If you want to wind up at the right city or even the right state. Do you believe it? Well, in life, course corrections are very important. And there's not a one of us that doesn't need some course correction on a regular basis. Doesn't mean you're a bad person or anything's wrong with your heart at all. Just a little bit of tweak. And then you get way off course. Well, you need a big correction. Sometimes people need to turn all the way around from that way and go this way. Because they were going west and they should have been going east. But a lot of times Christians that pray and seek God, they're not that far off course, but they're a little bit. They need a tweak. They need a degree. They need an adjustment. Would you take a degree? Or three? Would you? Somebody say, whatever I need, Lord. Show me any corrections. I'll receive them gladly. In Jesus, name. In Jesus' name. Do you mean that? Yes, so, well, you want to wind up at the right place, right? Yes. So they're necessary to wind up at the right place. The plan of God. The end result he has for us. In Matthew 13 and 44, Jesus is speaking. Matthew 13, 44. He said, the kingdom of heaven is likened a treasure hid in a field. The which, when a man has found it, he hides and for joy thereof. Everybody say joy. Joy. This is such a key element in, in all of this. For joy thereof, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. That's a big step, isn't it? It's a big step. You're either doing something really good or you're really messing up. When you're taking everything you got and trading it for this, spending it so you can get this. He says it again in another way, verse uh, 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he has found one pearl of great price... How many believe and know that you got diamonds and then you got diamonds? You got pearls and then you got pearls. There are those that are bigger than others and that are of a higher quality and don't have the blemishes or the flaws or the colorations. And so there's, you know, there's a few diamonds and pearls in circulation that just bring you might, what we might call astronomical prices because they're just superior than the rest. And when he found that one pearl of big price, what did he do? He went and sold all that he had and he cried. <laughs> and he said it took everything. I've had to give up everything. It's too much. It cost me too much. And he was depressed for weeks. 
and really never got over it. Huh? Because it cost him everything he had monetarily. No. He went and sold everything he had and he bought it. So the joy factor that we read in the previous verse is such a key element in this. And when folks are saying it's just too hard. It just, it's costing too much. It's just too much. Have you ever heard somebody say it's it's too much? What are they saying? Price is too high. And if is that the case? Or is it you not valuing something enough? The rich young ruler came and sought the Lord. Do you remember that? And he said, uh, what must I do to get eternal life? He's excited. You can tell he runs in there and asks the Lord this. He, he's excited. And the Lord tells him, one thing you lack. You need to liquidate, give it to the poor, and come follow me. Let's just stop right here. Had this man, did he really have reason to be excited? Was he on the right track? Had he found the pearl of great price? Had he? He did. Now, when he's standing there looking at Jesus, he's not seeing a halo around his head. He doesn't know he is the Messiah and the Christ. He's seeing a man. But he's never heard a man talk like this. And he's never felt like this about the messages that he's hearing and the miracles that he's seen. He knows this is real. His heart knows this is what you've been looking for, boy, your whole life. But to say he knew he was talking to God manifested in the flesh, no. And so when the Lord tells him that, the excitement leaves his face. His exuberance in just a few moments becomes depression. And he went away grieved because he had great possessions. Was that the problem, that he had great possessions? It wasn't a problem. Other people left stuff and followed him, didn't they? Peter, James, John, all those guys. They walked away from businesses. They walked away from this and that. What was the problem? It was too much. It was just too much to ask. It was too much to pay. It just cost too much. And so he went away sad. And he missed out. Didn't he? Was it too much to ask? No. He didn't esteem what he was getting enough. You remember we talked about a Jacob, and how he, he he told his uh, man he's working for he wanted to marry his daughter, and he said, "Okay, just sign here on the the dotted line. <laughs> Seven years, you work for me for free, and you get to get married at the end of that seven years." And he said, "That's crazy. No way, no how." No woman is worth that. No girl is worth that. <laughs> no. He did, apparently he didn't blink an eye. The Bible said that those seven years seemed like a few days to him. Because he was so infatuated with Rachel. So excited about the upcoming wedding. Come on, think about it. He's been out there in the heat and the cold with the smelly sheep and watching out for lions and bears and tigers. Oh my. Right. I mean, this is not, this is not punching a clock in an air conditioned building. And after three years of the heat and the cold and the hardship, if you talk to him, he'd say, only got four years to go. 
I'm almost halfway there. And we have the big day. Was it too much to pay? Depends on how you see what you're getting. And if you despise what you're getting, then the price is too high. If you belittle what you're getting, you don't value, you don't treasure. When the Lord looked at that rich young ruler, come on, put yourself in the place now. Put yourself, you're standing beside Jesus. You're one of the twelve. And you've already heard about how that in time to come in the kingdom of God, you're going to rule and reign with him on 12 thrones, judging the tribes of Israel. And this young guy runs up and he says, oh, what do I got to do? And the Lord tells him, you make some financial adjustments, you sow some seed, you commit and come on with me. And you know, let's go beyond that. You're one of the angels standing beside the Lord. And you know what he just offered him. And that it doesn't end in this life. It goes beyond this life throughout eternity. A place by the master's side. And he says, no, that's too much money. That's too much to ask. It's too much to ask. It just takes too much time. It's too inconvenient. I have a life. I have things I want to do. I worked hard for that money. Are these kind of answers being given today? And folks don't realize. What opportunities are in place. I have the sense that there are some amazing opportunities and that as soon as some folks pass some tests on the other side of that are going to be things better than you thought. Above what you've ever planned or thought. For life, for family, for ministry, for finances. But you got to pass tests. And in order to pass tests, you have to treasure what God treasures and value what He values. Enough till there is no cost too great. There is no price too high. Sit out loud. There is no cost. There is no cost. Too, great. too great. There is no price. There is no price. Too, high. too high. In fact, we already know a verse. Romans 8. 18. Anybody remember that verse? We know a verse. I reckon that the sufferings, that would include some prices our sacrifice and they involve some temporary suffering not suffering from the curse of the law but suffering not getting your way suffering having to turn loose of some things sow some big things that are precious to you maybe go where you didn't want to go stay where you didn't want to stay these sufferings Of this present time. Tell me about them saints. They are not even worthy. To be compared. With the glory. Which shall be revealed. That's why Paul said. I will very gladly. Spend and be spent. Why? He said everything I ever had. Before I found Jesus. I counted all dumb. Compared to the glory. Of knowing him. Oh thank you Lord. Now I know. That when you're sitting in church. And you hear that. It's not too hard to say amen. (laughs) But. When you're somewhere else. And there's no organ music. And it's Thursday afternoon. And it's going to cost you. 
It's another thing. And you got to make up your mind. What means the most to me? There's a lot of things you can do. But that doesn't mean it's the plan of God. I could have a wild idea tomorrow. <laughs> I could say, I don't want to pastor no more. In fact, I'm tired of preaching too. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go over here. I think I could do this. They asked me to do that. Just because you can do it, or you think you can do it, don't mean it's the plan of God. It don't mean it'll be like you think it'll be. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. Well, maybe you might try it, and maybe it might not ever happen like you think it would. I know this for sure. If you're not where you're supposed to be, you don't have the grace. And not only that, but it's open season. (laughs) On you. The enemy has access to fire shots at you. Why? Because you get out from under your protection. and you Get out of your place. You're out of your grace. And you'll fall on your face. It's not good. Oh, but in your place, there is sustaining, protecting, keeping, increasing grace. The pearl of great price. I want somebody to say it out loud again. There's no cost too high. There's no price too great to obey the Lord in my life. Oh, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Somebody say, thanks be to God. Go to Genesis 22. Genesis 22 is one of the greatest stories along the lines we're talking about in the Word of God. It's the story of Abraham. Anybody like Abraham? Oh, boy. You're going to meet him one day. You can call him Papa if you want to. He is the father of all those who are in Christ by faith. Is that right? Father Abraham had many sons. (laughs) And I am one of them. And so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. <laughs> Somebody needed to laugh a little bit, right there. <laughs> Genesis 22. Abraham had known God, seems like most of his life. And he had followed God. And he went out when he didn't even know where he was going. Didn't he? And he believed God when he had not a clue how such a thing could ever be. He's standing looking up in the night sky. And God tells him he's going to have as many kids as the stars in the heavens for multitude and as grains of sand on the shore. And he doesn't have a one. And his wife can't conceive. And he's getting older every day. And he just looked up in the night sky and said, God, if you say it, I believe it. Simple, but so powerful, so amazing. He's called the friend of God. Why? Because just in utter simplicity, he just took God at his word, not having a clue how that could ever happen. Then in the course of time, I mean, it's not like it just happened the next day. Years went by until he got really old. And she got real, not only she couldn't conceive when she was young, she's gone through the change of life. They're both in their 90s. And it happened. Miracle of miracles. When he told him it was going to happen, you know, Sarah heard it in the tent. She laughed. She thought, that's funny. 
I'm going to have a baby. As old as I am. As old as he is. The Lord said, is anything too hard for the Lord? And it wasn't. Isaac was born. Laughter. And it seemed like through their amazing journey, God had come through and proved himself decade after decade. And we finally got where we were supposed to be. And we finally got everything that we believed for. And we got the miracle boy. And I can die in and, and, and peace. And, and my boy can take over my, my large holdings and be blessed. And God says, I want that boy. Bring him up here and give him to me. Too much to ask. Too high a price. Boy, if you were ever going to say no, this would be the time, wouldn't it? If you were ever going to say, God, this is too much, you can't ask for that. Surely you're not asking. But you know what he did? The next morning. This is why he's in the book. The next morning, he gets the boy, he gets the donkey, he gets the fire and the wood, and up they go. Don't they? And when it comes right down to it, I mean, he laid the boy on the altar, he tied him, he picked up his knife, he ain't playing, he's doing this. Why? Because he'd figured out God would have to raise him from the dead. Because God had told him that in him would be his seed. So he know he can't die here. Hebrews 11 talks about this. He was accounting that God was able to raise him from the dead. He's figuring, well, I guess I'm going to see a resurrection right here. And in doing so, he gave his covenant friend the right to do the same thing for him. To give his only begotten son and raise him from the dead. Somebody say covenant. That's why Abraham's faith will always be honored throughout the eons to come. Everybody's going to always know about Abraham and his giving his son and his faith for the resurrection. And when it came down to it, Genesis 22, 15, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham out of heaven the second time after he had stopped him from killing the boy. He said, by myself have I sworn, says the Lord. When God says it, it's enough. But here, he didn't just say it. He swears by himself. You know why he swore by himself? There ain't nobody bigger to swear by. (laughs) Because you have done this thing, Abraham, and you've not withheld your son, your only son. Glory to God. What's going to happen? In blessing, I will bless you. And in multiplying, I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven, as the sand which is upon the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. He's talking about the Christ, the Messiah. Why? Why? Because you have obeyed my voice, and they sit like this, and there was nothing you wouldn't give me. There was no price you wouldn't pay. There was no cost too high. All through Abraham's life. Why Abraham? Abraham 
has one of the greatest places of honor in the universe forever. I mean, how many believe Abraham's important in heaven? When you're important in heaven, you're somebody. (laughs) Abraham, out of all the billions that would ever live on the planet, why him? Why him? What is it about him? We're reading it. When God said, Abraham, you leave your mom and daddy. You leave your people. God has said the same thing to a lot of people. And they never left. They would not go. I love my mama. And this has always been our home place. And I just... I'm not comfortable anywhere else. I traveled to a few places and I couldn't wait to get back home. And I just. What does that mean? Price is too high. Cost was too great for you. Wouldn't do it. What did Abraham do? What did he do? He left mama and daddy. And uncles and aunties and cousins. Didn't he? He said folks I'm leaving. They said why are you leaving? The Lord told me. They said, oh my word. The Lord told me. The Lord told me. Where'd the Lord tell you to go? Well, he hadn't told me that part yet. I think I'm going yonder way. What do you mean? What state you going to? What town you going to live in? The Lord will show me. You mean you don't know right now? That's right. I'll know it when I get there. This is why he's in the book. This is why he's in the book. He doesn't have to have everything spelled out for him. He doesn't have to know that it'll be easy. He's willing to pay any price. And thing after thing, the Lord told him, do this, he did it. Do that, he did it. Do the other, he did it. And then finally, give me your son. And he did it. He didn't wait a day. Are you impressed, saints? You should be. Is he your father? Then you are of the same seed. You have this spiritual DNA in you. You can be like this. I can be like this. Somebody said out loud, no price is too high. For my God. No cost is too great. If He wants it, it's His. If He wants me to do it, it's done. Amen. Now it didn't take long to say that. And the truth is, millions of Christians, they are not willing. They are not. It's uh, they'll go so far, but then when the Lord asks for something else. Well, that's too much. Quit doing all this stuff and serve on a team. And give, you know, X amount of hours a week to that. Quit doing all this and and sow more money here. Quit doing all this. And and folk will get mad. They'll go, I already do this. Here's a very big question. Who's asking? (laughs) So many times people get their eyes on other people. And think they're asking me to do this. Really? You see. The Israelites. Thought Moses and Aaron was their problem. Didn't they? I mean some of the important men in the uh, congregation. Korah. Dathan. Abiram. The Bible said they were men of renown. Important people. That means other people looked up to him. And they decided, this Moses is just too big for his britches. Who does he think he is? Telling us do this and do that. And you can't do this. And you can't do the other. And that Aaron. Always following him around. Declaring this and saying that. They decided, you know, we like God. We don't like this Moses. Who called him? Who put him in charge? 
<laughs> Anybody know the answer to that? But it takes some spiritual discernment. See, the rich young ruler, he didn't realize who was telling him this, did he? When he said, go liquidate. Do things for the poor. And then you come and you stay with me. And you follow me. I'm sure he thought, well, preacher, you don't understand what kind of holdings I have. I can't just go out and sell everything I got. I got people that work for me. I got companies. I got investments. I got this. I got that. Who's asking? Jesus talks about this, doesn't he? That the master of the house said, I got my supper ready. Now come. Come. Everything's ready. I want you here now. Come on. And one by one, people begin to make excuse and said, you know, I'd like to. But the kids have got to play. And we've been planning this thing for, for six months. And, and this has got, and you know, I've got to put my family first. And, and we got this and we got that. Another guy said, well, I got work. You know, man, we're swamped. I, I can't come. What do you need to, to check up on? Who's asking? And if you're natural, you'll just get your eyes on people. And if you don't want to do it, well, you wouldn't tell the Lord no. But you don't mind telling them no. <laughs> Very first message I preached in a church. The Lord gave me this revelation. It's been a few years ago. I was not a preacher. Uh, I was a teenager. And I had gotten a hold of Galatians 3.13. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. And I thought that's the best thing I ever heard in my life. <laughs> that part of the curse of the law is sickness and poverty and Mental oppression and depression and defeat and the enemy's defeating you. And Christ has redeemed us from all that. And so in our little church, denominational church, they asked me to speak. And I thought, what timing? Because I just found out about being redeemed from the curse of the law. This has got to be God. And it's not like I had spoken before. I, I had uh, helped play for a song, but I, I hadn't spoken. I wasn't a preacher at all. But I thought, this is God. I got this great message, and now I can share it. So, man, I hit it running. I went to Deuteronomy 28, and I read, what's the curse of the law? And then I went to Galatians uh, 3. And I said, and Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And man, I just was ecstatic and happy. I think I'd gone maybe 10 minutes, maybe. <laughs> maybe. And I was about done. And the pastor stood up. I was still talking. And he said, Keith, are you saying we don't have to be sick? I said, yeah. He said, great. He shook his head. And I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> and then he went on to tell how God had made some folks sick in his family. And then the head deacon got up and shared how God had taken some of his family with disease and, and other things. Then somebody got up and they shared and I was done. It was over. <laughs> And I went and sat down. That's my first time out the gate. <laughs> preaching. <laughs> Later on that night. Back at the house. I'm laying in the bed. And I'm thinking Lord. I'm just quiet now. And I thought Lord. That didn't go too good. <laughs> Did I do something wrong? And the Lord began to minister to my heart. I don't mean to hurt a voice. But he began to speak to my heart. And I just in a flash, I, I relived the conversation. And the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, son, they needed about a half a teaspoon of faith and healing. 
and you tried to give him a dump truck load. <laughs> I was trying to give him everything I had in 30 minutes, right? I'd been listening to tapes for months. I just found that out just recently. Then this other part came to me. I heard the man get up and say, Keep, are you saying we don't have to be sick? And heard me say it. I saw myself saying, yeah. And the Lord said, wrong. You didn't say that. I said it. He said they had no problem arguing with you. But he said arguing with me is another thing. He said don't take responsibility for my word ever again. I said I see it Lord. Forgive me. Forgive me. It makes all the difference who's asking. Doesn't it? It makes all the difference who's saying it. Does God speak through people? He does. So much of what we will know about him and his will and his plan is going to come through people. He uses people. Doesn't make them perfect. But the call and a grace and anointing should make a difference. If God chose somebody, that ought to mean something to us. If God anoints somebody and uses them, if they're good enough for him, they ought to be good enough for us. And if we wonder, well, wonder, wonder why he chose them. That's none of your business. Right? If you think you could have picked somebody better, you're wrong. Because there's so much you don't know about people's hearts, about where they come from, about where they're going. Somebody say, who's asking? Who's asking? Who's asking? If you know he's asking, if you know he's saying something from his word, by his spirit, directly or through someone else. How many believe no cost should be too great? No price should be too high? We should be like Abraham. It's yours. It's yours right now. It'll be done. It'll be done right now. And in doing so, what did the angel tell him? Because you haven't withheld your son, you were willing to give me. How many understand God knows beyond a shadow of a doubt what his covenant friend will do for him? This is no theory or we think so. It is obvious for heaven, earth, and hell to see this man will give his God anything. And because he will, the angel says, the angel of the Lord says, I'm going to bless you. (laughs) I'm going to make you a blessing. The enemy's not going to stop you. Your seed will possess the enemy's gate. And in your seed will all the earth be blessed. Why? Because here's a man who doesn't have a price that's too high. He doesn't have a cost that's too great. All he needs to know is who's asking. Right? If it's the Almighty, it's his. If it's him, it'll be done. Straight away. Can you say amen? Amen. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And the result is, again, our scripture. Everybody remember Romans 8, 18. Put it on the screen for us. The result is what? Boy, that seems like a big price. Boy, it seems tough. Boy, it seems hard. I've had people look at me. They were leaving the church. Leaving the ministry. They said, it's just too hard. And I'm thinking, what's too hard? They're talking about serving God. It's just too hard. Because they can't, you know, get drunk or sleep around or party like they want to without other church members not liking it. (laughs) There's all kind of things. I mean, there's, I've come to see it's not just, not that we've always done the most perfect job, but it wouldn't matter how perfect a job you did, 
folks would still make these decisions. Because when your values are not right, you will make wrong decisions. How many believe Paul did a good job in the ministry? You believe he did a good job preaching and was an honorable man, a man of integrity, didn't lie, didn't steal, good example. And yet people left him, didn't they? People left him, left him in the middle of a crusade, right? Just left, went back home. Why? Too hard. Having to stay in these rough places. Mark, you know, left him in the middle of a crusade. I think he missed mama's cooking. And these are some strange goings on out here. I mean, Elamus, the sorcerer, pulled that stunt. And about every other day, they're, they're either getting arrested or almost to get arrested. And he figured he better get out of here before it's too late. For he's either in prison for life or, or dead. He bails. Later on, Paul says, Demas has forsaken me. That's somebody that was with him, helping him in the ministry. Could you be in that kind of environment? See those kind of miracles. Hear those kind of sermons. And decide, I want to live in Vegas. <laughs> Money and showgirls, that's a lie for me. It happened. I said it happened. He left Paul to go to the world. It's happened many times. Why? It just costs too much. It's just, I'm not having fun. And the money, I could make more money in the world. And I could live better. And, and I could have more fun. And what are you saying? Cost is too much. Price is too high. Is the cost too high? No. You're not valuing what God's offering you. When you realize what he's offering you, you'll very gladly spend and be spent, get up early, stay up late, climb the highest mountain, and do it with joy. Not crying and sad sack and it's so hard. You'll do it with joy, knowing that in a few more days, we're all out of here anyway. And what's going to matter? You know, who knew you, how successful you were naturally, where you lived, what you wore, what you drove. Nobody's going to know or care in a very short amount of time. The only thing that's going to matter is did you do what he asked you to do? That's all that's going to matter. And for the few who do. You said few, Brother Keith? No, he said few. Didn't he? Many are called. Many are invited. Many have the opportunity. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? Many have the opportunity. Many are asked and invited. But the price was too high. Well, the rich young ruler, was he invited? Did he have the opportunity? The rich young ruler, was he called? The master himself looking at you, saying, come, follow me. What more do you need? He's called. But chosen? Not unless something radical happened later that we don't know about. No. We all have flesh. We all live in this world. Everybody's flesh is the same. Nature of the flesh is selfish and lazy. Have you found it out? (laughs) Your flesh only wants to do what's good for you and only if you have to. (laughs) Only as much as you have to. Have you anybody found that? I'm talking about your flesh. Yours and mine. It's all the same. And if you yield to it, you'll be upset, you'll be angry, you'll be depressed, and, and you'll mess up. God's plan for you. You'll say it's too much. Too much to ask. Costs too much. Price is too high. I don't have to take this. I can do better than this. 
Who's asking? Somebody say, who's asking? Who's asking? asking? We're talking about love's sacrifice. God so loved us that no price was too high. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Was that easy? No. I know I, you've heard me say this before, but it'll bear repetition. I, I was preaching in a meeting with Brother Hagen one time. He called me up on the platform. I said and did some things. Everything seemed to go real good. He seemed pleased with it. And uh, some ministers that were also well known wrote me a letter right after that and rebuked me. And, uh, you know, just kind of let me have it. That I didn't know what I was talking about. And uh, I hadn't done this or that. Let's just stop right here. What's the question? Who was, at, who was talking? Could it be possible that the Lord was speaking through me? So apparently that didn't cross their mind. That it was even a possibility. Do we need to ask ourselves these questions? Instead of just fixating on a person, who's saying it? Who's asking? Instead of just looking at Moses and Aaron. And uh, I thought, well, this is not their meeting. This is Brother Hagin. He was in charge. And if anybody had a right to say anything, it'd be him. And if he's okay with it, why would they have a right to say anything? And, and um, I thought, well, I'll go talk to him about it. And the Lord checked me. No, you don't. You write a letter and apologize to them. I thought, what? <laughs> what? Apologize to them? For what? Lord, did I miss you? I thought I was yielding to you. I thought I was saying and doing what I was supposed to do. Did I miss you? He spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice. Instead of answering that, he said, uh, do you suppose you couldn't have done it with any more grace or love or wisdom? I thought, hmm, <laughs> I'm sure I could have <laughs> said it and did it with more grace and wisdom and love. I'm sure I could have, Lord. He said, you can't find anything to apologize for. I said, yes, sir, I'm sure I could. <laughs> I'm sure if I looked, I'm sure wouldn't have to look too hard. He, I don't mean I heard all this, but it just came up in my spirit to my mind. I just knew it. That if I made a deal out of this, folks would take sides. Other folks would make a deal out of it. It could get out of hand. You could have strife. You could have problems. And while I'm thinking about that, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, son, would you do it for me? It's over. Anybody know what I'm, what I'm talking about? It's over. Would I do it for him? Who's asking? Oh, it, there's nothing to talk about. After everything he's done for me, we're done thinking about it, talking about it. I did. I said, help me, show me what to say and do. I took hours and wrote the letter and sent it to them and got a response. And they were happy and pleased that I had received the correction. I just said, thank you. And How many understand? It doesn't hurt you to have to put your flesh under. The more it bothers you, it just shows the more ugly, stinking, devilish pride is still there. Me, you, all of us got it to deal with. It's part of the nature of the flesh. I mean, don't pass up an opportunity to humble yourself. Huh? Oh, yeah. Don't pass up an opportunity. Just go, mm-hmm, yes. Okay. I understand. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. We'll take care of it. Even if your flesh is going... <laughs> this ain't right this ain't, you say shut up shut up 
This is part of your development. And it's part of the price. Anybody remember scriptures talking about crucifying the flesh? Does that sound like fun? Crucify. Do Christians need to do that? You need to do it? When's the last time you did it? When's the last time? Some folks, that's too long. You can't even remember the last time. It's not fun. It's not fun. But it's necessary. And the big, the thing that can help you stay clear and stay straight is to ask the question all the time, who's asking here? Who's speaking here? Who's asking here? It wasn't, I don't think it was a year or two. I was in these folks' church having a meeting. We had miracles. We had great fellowship. We had good things. Isn't that better than strive? And all I had to do was humble myself a little bit and bite my lip and Huh? Do what the Lord told me to do. Reckon how many husband and wife fights could have been avoided. How many family issues and work problems and church problems would have been avoided if we'd have just done what the Lord asked us to do. Over and over again. It would have turned out completely differently. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. We're about to read our scripture again, weren't we? Romans 8. What does it say? You need to stand up and say it real loud. Stand up. Don't play around with it. What do you reckon? (laughs) I reckon that the little piddly sufferings of this life This present time. Are what? They're not even worthy to be compared. With what we're qualifying for. By obeying him. By what we're being brought into next. By our faith. And by our obedience. These great. Scenes. Like Abraham on the mount with his son are not the last opportunities of their kind. These kind of things are still happening on the planet where the Lord is asking this one to do this and asking this one to do that and asking this one for this and asking this one for that. And many are called and many think the price is too high and they won't turn loose of their security blanket and they won't step out and they're too scared and every other kind of thing. But there are some. Of the billions on the planet, it's a few. But there's a few. I said there's a few. There's a few. Am I talking to some of them? Talking to a bunch of them. There's a few with whom nothing is too big for the Lord to ask for. Not, no price too high. No cost too great. Come on, close your eyes and lift up your hands. Lift up your hands to the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Great, 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 good God. Somebody say, Father, I worship you. I worship you. You are so awesome. You are so wonderful. You are so faithful. And good. You've always been there for me. Never let me down. Never stop loving me. Never stop believing in me. Never. And I'll ask you to forgive me. Forever not listening to you. Ever not being there for you. It's not my heart. It's not my choice tonight. It's not my desire. I say by faith. And I ask for your grace. To be it. And to do it. And I say. Nothing's too much. No price is too high. No cost is too great. 
If you want it, it's yours. If you want me to do it, it will be done as you help me in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.